And we invite you to the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, and verses 18 and 19, reading from the New King James Version. The book of Isaiah, the 43rd chapter, the 18th through the 19th verse, the 18th and 19th verse. Amen. Reading from the New King James Version. Hear the reading of God's holy word and ask God to speak to you as you receive this message. Make it personal. I have always said to everyone that every message you receive, God speaks to you personally. And I have always, my goal has always been, this is something my dad taught me when I first began in the ministry, 22 years old, preparing to preach my first sermon. He said to me, son, preach to you first before you can preach to anyone else. He says, if God gives you a message, it is for you first, and then it goes to everyone else. And so I ask all of us to apply God's word to us personally. Isaiah chapter 43, beginning with verse 18, and it reads, Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Verse 19, God says through the prophet Isaiah to the people of Israel, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. We ask God's blessings on the reading and the hearing of his word. Verse 19 says, the beginning of verse 19, that First clause, behold, I will do a new thing. For the next few moments, I want to speak to you from the subject, embrace the change. Embrace the change. Listen, it is said, and it has been said and written about by many behavioral science officials, behavioral science experts, that the inability, please listen to this, the inability to adapt to an unexpected change of environment can be one of life's fatal flaws. Please hear this. Remember what I said at the beginning of this message, this is personal. For all of us individual, God says to us the inability of any of us to adapt to life's unexpected changes of environment can be one of life's most fatal flaws. The 19th century scientist, the controversial 19th century scientist, by the name of Charles Darwin in his very controversial studies 
on the evolution of life. I don't agree with many of the things that he concluded, but I do agree with this premise by Charles Darwin. He writes, and we put it for you on the board, and I quote, it is not the strongest of the species that survives, nor the most intelligent. It is the one that is most adaptable to change. He says the people that survive, the species that survive through the evolutionary process of life. Now, just because we use the word evolution does not mean that we don't believe in creation, for we do. When I speak of evolution, I'm talking about the progressive steps of life. Uh, he says that the species of life that have survived the test of time have been those that can adapt to the unexpected of the earth and so would some of you but they're still here I read an interesting article uh, that was printed in 2013 and here's what the article says thank you upstairs for putting this on the board it says cockroaches the ultimate survivors are cockroaches <laughs> not dinosaurs not German shepherd dogs, not any other creature, but cockroaches survive the ice age. Cockroaches survive a changing environment. survive. Who am I talking to? Regardless of what you're going through, 
what has happened. Divorce, death, bankruptcy, pandemic, social unrest, you find a way to survive. It was the Greek philosopher Heraclitus. When I think of this Greek philosopher, I have to pay deference to my late Uncle Joe, who turned me on uh, to Greek philosophy, who insisted that I read books I thought were boring at the time, but later blessed me in a special way. One of the authors that he had my cousin Chip and I read was this one, Heraclitus, and he said this, and I quote, change is the only constant in life. Only thing in life you can count on that's constant, according to Heraclitus. Now, other folk have added death and taxes, but change is a constant in life. In other words, whether we like it or not, we all will experience changes. From the time we are born until the moment we die, we're changing. Things change, people change, attitudes change. And contrary to what the people who think they're holier than anybody else, churches change. People's views change. <laughs> Pastors, if they're honest with each other, change. I heard a pastor says, I don't ever change. The Lord changes not. I don't ever change. And I say, that's why your hair is gray and not black. And that's why you used to have hair and you don't now. Because you never change, right? We all change. Physically, the way we think, the way we act. Why? Because changes are a part of life. One of my favorite old school songs. I used to call my dear cousin, Sister Sal, sometime and have her help me with the words of this until I finally memorized this song, Brother Bill. It says, time is filled with swift transitions. None on earth removed can stand. Build your hopes on things eternal. Whew. Hold on to God's unchanging hands. Uh, the world changes. If you hold on to God, we can make it through the changes. So the question for us today, my brothers and sisters, to consider is this, not will we experience changes, but here's the real question that we all must consider. How will we handle the changes we inevitably will encounter and experience? The question has never been, will you ever have to go through something? <laughs> question is, how will you handle it? when you go through it? How will it help you? I said last week, will it make you bitter or better? Will you embrace the change that God is bringing your way? But listen to this quote, listen to this. This is something that I want you to highlight and 
I, I put it on the board because this is the heart of the message. If, if there's any statement I want you to remember, I want you to remember this. Changes are often a part of God's master plan for our lives. Please remember this. Changes, transitions are often a part of God's master plan for your life. Your hardship, your pain was a part of what God had to make you better. For Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11, the Lord says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. So the challenge is, will we have the faith to embrace the change when it occurs in our life? Or will we out of fear reject the change? Listen to this. Even when it's for our good. Will we reject something because it's hard and it's painful even if it's for our good? For there are many blessings that have been birthed out of pain, out of hardships, and out of a struggle. I shared a testimony during the early morning service, personal testimony from my wife and I and our experience. We were very young parents at the time that my wife was pregnant with our first child. In fact, both of us were students. I was a graduate student. Uh, she had just finished uh, her, she was just finishing her senior year in college. And we had been married for almost two years. My wife uh, was pregnant and the child's son, DJ, was expected uh, to be born sometimes in July, late July, maybe the first of August. But on Memorial Day, of 1982, something happened. My wife's body begins to shut down. And because of a severe sinus infection that drained back on her brain, uh, she developed an abscess and she went into a coma. She went into a coma. The ambulance came. They came to get me. My father and I were preparing for a Memorial Day service. Uh, my mother was there. My brother was there. Uh, they called us and they rushed my wife to the hospital. And now here she is in excruciating pain in a coma about to give birth to our son. I'll never forget the physician walked in with not so good side manners. <laughs> and uh, my mother had to get him straight because he was pretty blunt and not very sensitive to young parents who who were trying to go through this. So he came to me and he says, you may have to make a decision of if it's going to be your wife's life or your son's life, but you may not be able, I may not be able to save both of them. My mother stopped him right there and says, that decision is not up to you. God has already made it. 
Your job is to do your best to save both of them. He went away and he said, but let me just warn you, it's going to be very painful for your wife. It is going to have to be an immediate, immediate surgery. Uh, and not only will we have to have a cesarean section to give birth to the child, but we're going to have to cut her head and provide an avenue for her sinuses to drain. She will be in excruciating pain, uh, maybe for a very, very long time. Well, we prayed. A few days later, uh, our, our son was born. We had uh, the surgery. He came forth living in an incubator, but God blessed him. And then I remember some years, some months later, my wife and I were sitting in the house uh, and she was holding. Now she was out of the hospital. She had recovered. God had blessed her and she was holding our son. And I remember looking at her saying, could you have imagined such joy coming out of so much pain? Uh, our son brought the joy. The pain was a part of the past. Could you have imagined such joy coming out of so much pain? I was reminded of the psalmist that writes, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. And that is what God wants us to understand as it relates to this message today, that there may be some painful situations, hardships that we are going through. God says, I often use the pain to change the environment, to usher in the birth of something that will eventually bring you great joy. With that, go with me, if you will, to the text. In this wonderful text that is found in the book of Isaiah, the Lord uses the prophet Isaiah to speak to the nation Judah, originally part of the Israelites, uh, to share with them some things that they would have to go through. I don't have time to get into the theological debate of the book of Isaiah, of whether there were two Isaiahs or three Isaiahs and how uh, could chapters 1 through 39 be so radically different from chapters 40 through 66. But I believe that there was one Isaiah used by God to speak prophetically to the people of Judah. God uses Isaiah to tell them to embrace themselves, uh, to prepare themselves uh, for change. God was about to change their environment. The prophet Isaiah is used by God to share with them about a time that was on the horizon that would bring great oppression, a time of captivity, a time of pain. You can see that in Psalms 137. In Psalms 137 uh, is a great example of what they were going through. The Babylonians had invaded uh, Judah, the people of Israel. Uh, they were now in captivity. They were living in a strange land. 
uh, many of their young, bright superstars were now living in this foreign land. So Psalms 137 uh, says this, and I want to read it to you so you can understand the mindset uh, that they were going through. Uh, the New King James Version, Psalms 137, uh, they write this. No one knows who the author is, but it was a worship leader, someone who lived in captivity. Verse number one, they says, by the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yes, we wept when we remembered Zion. <laughs> uh, verse number two says this, for there those who had carried us captives, asked for us to sing them a song. <laughs> uh, he says this in verse number three, they asked us to sing them a song. They replied in verse number three, saying, how shall we sing the Lord's song? Verse four, in a foreign land. How can we sing it in a strange land? They had taken their musical instruments and hung them on the willow trees. And the captives, those who were persecuting them, listen to this, in a changing environment, in a strange place, said, can you do what you were designed to do even in this strange place? Go with me because this this psalm is, is so relevant to what God is saying today. The environment changed, but God was still the same. They did not get it. They were bitter. They were angry. Uh, they refused to do what God had called them to do. What are you saying, Pastor Jackson? To those of you in the midst of a pandemic, if you were a praiser before the pandemic, you need to be a praiser now. If you worship God before the shutdown, you need to worship God now. If you worship God when you were employed, while you're unemployed, you still ought to praise God. Just because your environment has changed does not mean you ought to do something that God had not called you to do. Listen to this, the, the end of chapter of Psalms 137 verses eight and nine listen to their response they were bitter they were upset here is what they wish oh daughter of babylon they speak to their captives they say who are to be destroyed happy the one who repays you as you have served us then verse number nine happy the ones who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. Now take verses 8 and 9 to the New Living Translation. If you can put that up because I want to show you what this says. The New Living Translation explains to us in greater detail how vindictive they were. They were hurt. They were angry. They wanted somebody to destroy their enemies. They said, verse 8, New Living, Oh Babylon, you will be destroyed. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Uh, verse number nine, they were so angry, they wanted innocent people to die. Happy is the one who takes your babies and smashes your babies 
against the rocks. Why? Because we're angry. Because we're in a strange place. But what they did not know was that their place was not their enemy's design. It was designed by God. It was designed to take them to a place to do something for them uh, that only distress, hardship, and pain could do. God says in order to do a new thing, I've got to totally obliviate the old thing. I've got to crush your spirits because you romanticize too much about the good old days. And you thought you were untouchable, invincible. You thought it would be like this forever. So I raise up an evil nation to come and take away your comfort zone. In other words, I brought you pain, hardship, and heartaches. I put you in Babylon for 70 long years where you thought you could not praise me anymore. You gave up your musical instruments. You stopped doing what you were called to do. But here's what you did not know. Verse number two of Isaiah chapter 43. God says, here's what you need to understand. That even through everything you're going through, I'm going to be with you. For when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor will the flames scorch you. Verse number one, he says, and I know you by name, and I call you by your name. You have been redeemed by me. In other words, I had to change your environment just so I can show you that you're stronger than what you're going through. You can survive a changing environment if you trust me and if you lean on me. I know it's hard and I know you've lost your praise and you don't feel like praising me anymore, but trust me, I've got a plan for your future, a plan to bring you prosperity, a plan to bring you hope. Uh, Isaiah goes on in chapter 43 and the Lord uses him to speak prophetically to the people of Judah. God says, here is what Babylon is really all about. I feel like preaching to somebody. God said, here's what the shutdown is really all about. Here's what your heartache and your hardship is really all about. Here is what your separation and your divorce was really all about. He says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. In other words, God said, I can't do a new thing unless I break your mind shut, unless I crush your spirit. In order for me to do a new thing, I had to change your location. I had to put Babylon's foot on your neck. 
Good God Almighty, it took somebody's knee on somebody's neck in Minneapolis, Minnesota in order to bring some changes to this society. God said nobody ever wanted to do that, but sometimes a great challenge ushers in a greater change. God says I had to send you to Babylon. I had to put Nebuchadnezzar's foot on your neck and crush your spirit in order for you to recognize that I am about to do a new thing. Then he says, now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in a desert. I feel like preaching. Just give me 30 seconds and look at somebody wherever you are and say, get ready for a new thing. God says, I'm going to make a road in the wilderness. I will bring a river in a dry place. I'm here to tell you, you ought to put your best praise over the fact that in your wilderness, God is preparing you for a new thing. Listen, my brothers and sisters, in these two verses, there are three powerful observations. And I want to share these with you over the next few minutes. Three powerful takeaways. Get your phone, take a picture of the screen if you're in your house, wherever you are. Why? Because don't rely on your natural memory to remember this in the middle of this week. You need to hear this. Three key things that God says as we embrace the change. Verse 18, the first thing that God tells us is stop obsessing over the past. It really wasn't that good. (laughs) The good old days weren't always so good. Amen. Stop romanticizing over the past. Stop obsessing over, well, we didn't do it that way back then. That's not the way I know about it. In order for God to do a new thing, We've got to do something about our romantic illusions about how great things used to be. Because here's what God tells Judah. If it was so good while you in Babylon. If it were that good, why have you lost your praise? God says to them, stop obsessing over the past. I want to share a couple of translations of verse 18 that are so relevant. The New King James says, do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Now that doesn't mean that we should not have great memories about what God has done, but what he's talking about is an obsession to go back to a time that God has already delivered you out of. Do not remember the former things or consider, consider means consider going back to the things of old. 
Listen to how the New International Version puts it. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Who is God talking about? God says, you can't dwell in a mindset of yesterday and think God can prepare you for tomorrow. You can't even. over, please look at this. <laughs> Forget about what has happened. Don't keep going over old history. If I could substitute that word history, I would put old stuff. <laughs> Don't keep going over. History is great. I'm a history buff. I love it. If I could do, I told my wife, my ultimate profession what God did and what God can do. If you use history as to show you this is what God can do. Uh, the message Bible said don't keep going over old history, old stuff obsessing with wanting to get back. And then the New Living Translation we're still on takeaway observation number one. The New Living Translation says this and this is an interesting take it says but forget all of that hyphen it is nothing God says Whew. please look at this who am I preaching to forget all of that forget all the stuff you've been through forget all the things you think you've lost it is nothing Compared to what I'm going to do. God says what you've lost is no comparison to that which I'm going to bring in your life. But in order to get there, you must stop obsessing, romanticizing 
about the past. The second key takeaway in this message simply says this. The first is stop obsessing over the past. Here's the second. Take a picture of this on the screen and we'll leave it there on the screen for you to see it for a while. They were told by God in verse 19. Listen to this. That, look at that word, that he, that God was going to do a new thing. <laughs> not you, not your minister, not your boss, not your spouse. Woo! If there's going to be a new thing in your life, it is because God is going to do it and God is going to bring it to your life. Woo. God said he was going to do a new thing. The message Bible says something brand new. <laughs> Woo. Not refurbished, but God says what I'm doing is even unlike the clay that was in the potter's hand. God said, I'm going to do something that's brand new. I'm going to do something unlike anything you have ever experienced before. Woo. I will do something that will make you look at Babylon only as a pit stop to a better place that God has taken you. The New Living Translation says of verse 19, I have already begun. <laughs> I have some great news for you. As I look you in the eyes, wherever you are, all across this world, God says it has already begun. God's transformation, the transition in your life. Whew, has already begun. Some of you don't even know that God has started to redirect some things in your life. God says, I've, I've, I've changed some things in your life. I've already begun the process of blessing you like you've never been blessed before. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the new thing. And then the third and the final key takeaway, and we will elaborate on this great on Tuesday night, but the third and the final key takeaway as we prepare for this altar experience says this. The Lord in verse 19, please look at this, watch this. The Lord in verse 19 asked them, if they would even recognize it when you see it. <laughs> I ask you that when God does a new thing, not if, but when God does a new thing in your life, will you recognize it? Will you know it? Will you embrace it? <laughs> will you say, Lord, I thank you for the change. I thank you for a mighty move. God says, as he ends that verse 19, he says, let me show you 
the magnitude of what I'm going to do. Let me share with you how awesome this new thing is. It shall be as a road in the wilderness and as rivers in a dry place. God said this new thing I'm going to do will refresh you. It will point you in a direction in which you thought you were in a wilderness place, a place of confusion. But God said, I'll make a way. I'll make a way in the wilderness. I will provide you with rivers in a desert. I will refresh your spirit. When this is over, when you come out of this, God says, I'll refresh you like you've never been refreshed before. Get ready, 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 get ready. Somebody get ready. Come on, get ready, get ready. God say, I'm going to do it. I'm doing it. I'm doing it right now. Get ready. Wherever you are right now, to embrace it you have to embrace it you have to say Lord I'm ready for a new thing are you ready are you ready you ought to put your best praise over what God is doing right now come on Zion eyes haven't seen yeah, 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 yeah. The kind of blessing. Ah, thank you. The kind of blessing. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's about to fall on you. Thank you, Francis. Yeah, yeah. Because victory is here. Ah, right now. Get your feet out the door. Come on, come on. doing a new thing. All the worshipers. If you can just wave your hands in the air right now. Yeah, yeah. There's a blessing. There's a blessing. Thing. 
about to do a new thing God says I'm about to blow your mind I must confess that when this pandemic first started I said to the congregation this morning the first couple of weeks I was on high anxiety I was restless I did not know what would happen I said Lord if this lasts very long this will negatively impact the ministry and the church but what I did not know was that this not only did not negatively impact it but we're now reaching more people than what we've ever reached before more people are giving their life to the Lord than ever before 
people being saved and delivered unlike they never had it before. So get ready, get ready, get ready. Come on, oh, get ready, I'm see. Listen, around week seven of the pandemic, <laughs> something switched in me. That's when God gave me this message, the assignment to preach this. He says, and I told you what dad said to me, before you can preach to others, you have to preach to yourself. God said to me, embrace the change. God says, this is it. I'm not sure how long this is going to last, but this is it. And God said, embrace the fact that there are more people that are listening to your voice as you proclaim God's word than ever before. You may not have folk you're preaching to that you see to validate you by saying, preach pastor. But know there are folk whose voices you can never hear. And God says, embrace a new thing because God has brought us together. I was a part of a Zoom conference yesterday morning with other pastors and faith leaders from Lower Richland here in South Carolina. Uh, we were praying for each other. Uh, and what God said as I was on that conference that Pastor Sammy Wade and Brother Ken Roach and others put together, God says, here's what I've done. I have brought you all together. And on that Zoom conference, no one asked how many folk you had in church Sunday. No one asked what size congregation you pastor. Because none of that matters anymore. God says we're all on the same page. In fact, I said to my colleagues that we all have the same congregation, the universe. And God says it took a pandemic to deflate some egos and to take some folk off their high horses thinking they're bigger and better than everybody else. And God said, you've got to know that I can shut it down whenever I get ready. I can, I can shut the whole thing down. you got to trust me. And when you trust me, I'll do a new thing. Come on and down. I'm getting ready to see. I'm getting ready to see. Get ready to see.
throw your head back and say, I haven't seen. Eyes haven't seen. Woo! Yes. There's a blessing about to fall on you. Do it, Lord. Do victory it. is here. Victory, victory is here. Kick your feet out the door. Cause God's Woo. doing a new thing. So get ready, get ready. Get ready. Get ready, get ready. Get ready, get ready. Close those eyes, lift those hands. We want to touch and agree virtually. Closing of the eyes means we are blocking out every distraction, every visible distraction. Lifting of the hands is symbolic gesture to God. At the beginning of this year, we adopted a theme that says this is the year of perfect vision. What we did not know, uh, Bill, Mac, what we did not know, Francis, TJ, was that God says it would take a shutdown in order for you to get perfect vision. I had to stop some things in order for you to see yourself as I see you and to see others as I see them close those eyes God's doing something right now call us let us pray with you pray for you if you want to give your life to the Lord call us right now you can be a part of this ministry you don't have to live here in South Carolina wherever you are we've got phoners there now taking your calls all over the world Lord we thank you we bless you we embrace the change we embrace a new thing but your word through Isaiah says before we can get a new thing we have to stop obsessing and romanticizing over the past knowing that you would do a new thing and God we we answer the question yes we do know it yes we will embrace it as painful as what it may be we embrace the pain just like those many years ago my wife giving birth to our first child was a very painful stressful situation for our family but look at the joy it has brought some of us are going through painful situations right now but you've reminded us that weeping may endure for a night but joy comes in the morning and we say thank you thank you in advance for the blessings that eyes haven't seen nor ears heard God, we pray for someone who is on the verge of losing everything. We pray for that brother who's incarcerated, that sister who may be thinking about suicide. We pray so much for that elderly member of our families or those families 
that are in nursing homes. I pray for the young lady who called my office just last week and said to me, I haven't heard or seen my mother in months. She's in a nursing home. She is giving up the will to live because she misses everybody so much. God, reverse what the enemy is trying to do. Give her the joy. Let her know that you're doing a new thing that her eyes haven't seen nor her ears heard. We thank you right now for a road in the wilderness. Lord, we thank you for rivers in a desert. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And ever, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, just lift those hands and tell the Lord, thank you. Can we sing that as we go? I just want to thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Y'all excuse us. I know it's it's time to go, but thank you. Thank you. God told me to do that. I just want the enemy to know he gets no victory out of this thing. Thank you. Somebody ought to lift those hands. says I can make a road in the wilderness thank you Lord I can bring a river in a desert 
thank you, Lord. I thank you for blessing my family. It could have gone another way. I could be here today still mourning the loss of my wife and son. Thank you how you blessed me, not just with that son, but with another and three grandkids. I've got to thank you, Lord. Everybody, wherever you are, this message, this song is for you. And as we leave here today, remember to always give God praise, give him honor, and give him thanks. In your name we pray, Lord. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on and tell him again. Praise Jesus. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody ought to tell them. haven't already and fill out the survey that's bwcar.org there are many safe secure and easy ways to give to bible way church of atlas road online giving is available to members and guests through my connections at bwcar.org you can choose to give through your bank checking debit or savings account or via our mobile giving app by texting bwcar along with your giving amount to 73256 Columbia, South Carolina, 29290. Please do not mail cash. Financial donations will be accepted at the church on Tuesdays from 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. If you feel as if this service was a blessing to you, please be sure to share with your family and friends. For additional announcements and for more information, be sure to visit our website at bwcar.org.